0: From the website girlfriendit.com and the movement girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com.
1: Well, welcome. What do you do when life interrupts? Do you see it as an opportunity or a
2: discouragement? Okay, I know. <laughs> I know. That you have a good story about life getting interrupted. And um, so before we get into our story time, which I'm really excited because I want to learn more about this story. You've told me a little bit. (laughs) And um, so I'm like, okay, wait before you tell me so we can all hear it together. So before we get into our story time and we have our, you know, our latte sitting with us we want to remind you that you're listening to girlfriend it radio with patty wyatt and lisa jernigan where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships and we're gonna have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. and you can follow us on facebook and twitter okay so story time um so i have to i have to preface this that on thanksgiving day In the middle of the hustle and bustle, I get this text from you, and the text is a picture. And um, I'm looking at this picture, trying to figure out what it is, and it looks like um, an open oven with a casserole dish that's, like, broken all apart with something inside of it. And then there's words underneath it that says, glass everywhere Our dish exploded into the sweet potatoes and the green beans. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And then it was the next words that kinda that was like, okay, only Patty would do this. And then then you said, Isn't this hysterical? And I'm like, okay, is the rest of your family thinking the same thing like This is hysterical because Thanksgiving dinner just got ruined. Um, So I I I want you to talk about that life interruption because it is significant, especially when it happens on the holiday when it can be a little – challenging, you know, family dynamic sometimes and all this stuff, and you want everything perfect, picture perfect, and all that, and then this happens, so you've got to unpack this story. <laughs> it's so funny when you put it that way. I was just,
1: I, I, I was blown away, first of all, because at this point, we're right at the part where, you know, everything has to be warm, and yet you have 5,000 things that need to be warm, so you're kind of fighting over who's putting what in the oven and the microwave, and there's... a the priority... They're packed in the kitchen, right? Because you yeah. now everything the tables are all set, everything's looking beautiful, and now we're just trying to coordinate that pretty much everything will be hot. And my husband's grabbing the pot holder and he's pulling the dressing out of the oven. And as he's pulling it out, it just implodes. Like, I've never seen anything like it. It shatters. And glass goes everywhere. It's going up in the air, and it's, you know, flying into the pies and the sweet potatoes and the green Are beans. you?
2: Are you – did you see this? Are you by
1: this? Yeah, we're all in there. We're all just, like, mouths dropped, going wet, because it made this, you know, powerful, like, decibel <laughs> – sound in the kitchen so everybody's you know just gawking going what just happened and then at that point we you know so much for the warm food because now you have glass everywhere so crunchy food (laughs) yeah and you're trying to clean up the glass because the glass is shattered in the in the oven and i'm just so surprised that kevin didn't get
2: like hurt really badly with that yeah
1: well we all we all manage a little bit of glass in our fingers because you start picking it up and then you know got the shock back out and started you know vacuuming the the glass up but so that's when I thought okay I have to get a picture of this because it's one of those stories that people wouldn't believe And, and anyway we we got it cleaned up and we we, you know, sat down, and as you know, this is a story way back when I was in my, my teenage I know, year.
2: immediately I got a little smile on my face because I'm like, this story <laughs> sounds familiar about your table at Thanksgiving, and so remind me of this story. Well, because it's, just, it's yeah. an ongoing joke.
1: Because, just like you said, I think for moms especially, there's a little bit of stress leading up to holidays. And I've even heard people say, holidays aren't that great of a memory because there was so much stress and family and weird things that take place. Mm -hmm. And that's always, you know, I'm always in my utopia. So that's bizarre to hear people say that. But yet, there was a time when I was, you know, I think I was 15. And my mom had everything so perfect and she would go around you would open up an acorn and you know there'd be a little note in there and you had to say what you were thankful for (laughs) and so everything she wanted it to be over the top and apparently I pulled like a hair out of my mashed potatoes and she slammed her
2: (laughs) hands down and you let everybody know in the middle of the thing or experience I was not, I was not being theatrical about it that I recall,
1: but she, you know, basically I got blamed for ruining Thanksgiving and she left the table and didn't come back. Now, obviously, there was more to that story with what was going on with her, and it was fine, you know, the final, what is what is that term? The final what? Final straw. The final straw or the final hair, yes, was in the potatoes. (laughs) So forever after that, at Thanksgiving, people have laughed, and it's been an ongoing joke to say, "Patty, you You have ruined Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Are you going to do it this year? Like, what's your plan for this year?" So (laughs) when this happened and the Pyrex baking dish exploded, I was laughing, and I go, "Finally, it's not on me. I didn't ruin Thanksgiving." And then my sister started tearing up <laughs> because she's the one that brought the pirates dish. So, so then I'm like, I am so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, so, yeah, what what happens
2: at Thanksgiving? All those little inside stories really are funny. But- so the commonality in these two stories is you make the hostess cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. But but it's interesting. The, the reason why I would like to share this story is to tell us well. Well, then we Googled it because we we kept trying to go. You know, did he hit the counter? Like, what made it just implode? It wasn't like oh, the glass broke. It right. shattered in a thousand pieces and was up in the air. You know, like you That's like wild. and. So when you Google it, there are all these lawsuits against Pyrex, which I love Pyrex. I know my mom, my grandma, you know, everybody used Pyrex. But apparently they sold the company and they sold the brand. And now the Pyrex is made in China. So you can look on your Pyrex dishes. And if it says made in the USA, that's the old Pyrex. But if it says made in China... That Pyrex has a little bit of liquid that's a part of the glass, and for whatever reason, it's been exploding. And there, uh, uh, Consumer Reports did a big cover story on this saying, like, 11,882 people have had to go to the hospital for major injuries. And the number of complaints have increased over the last few years. It, it, basically it's making those comments, they're so surprised by the forcefulness of the glass shattering. So now Pyrex has a warning on their, you know, when you buy it new, but, it, but how many of you have new containers? It's like we are, we're all using those Pyrex dishes that have been in our house for years. Yeah. It actually says now, there's a warning, says this might result in personal in- injuries. Oh, Nice.
2: Oh, so that's special. So yeah. the, the girlfriended tip for the day is: um, don't buy new Pyrex dishes for a loved one if you love them.
1: Exactly. <laughs> if you don't want to, you know, ruin Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. But, or Christmas coming up, the new holiday. Yeah. So
1: there's there's all these warnings. You know,
2: don't use under a broiler.
1: Don't use with a wet pot holder. Don't put it on top of water. I mean,
2: what all are these like almost warnings when you see on commercials like they they're promoting a new drug and it's like, but make. You know, may cause, and it's this whole list. You know, death and everything. You're like, well, why would I want to take this? <laughs>
1: yes. if yeah, warning so may may cause uh, personal injuries. You go, huh? How would a,
2: you know, a you know,
1: next dish cause personal injury? But
2: apparently, it can when it shatters. So, so the story goes back to our question at the beginning: is that when life interrupts, do you see it as an opportunity? Or do you see it as a discouragement? And so kind of like you thought kind of, I mean, I know it was frustrating, but isn't it, it's an opportunity for a memory, a great memory. And we're always looking for good stories to tell on the radio, too, because you and me are like, okay, that's a good story we can tell now. And so <laughs> it's always everything is a, is a story, a possible story to tell from our sick lens. And then your poor sister is like, what did I do? I have ruined. And so she's all discouraged with the The whole thing so it really does go back to it's not if life gets interrupted it's when how do we choose to look at it I mean sometimes it is horrific and it's like you can't look at the you know it it is is you know hard but sometimes they're just little minor things that you go okay I can even I can turn this around and look at it this is an opportunity for something else you know
1: and um I will have to say, at when this happened, I did not think, oh, this is going to be a great story for radio. That wasn't my first thought. <laughs>
2: well, can I just tell you that when you sent it to me, I kind of, in my sick way, thought that. I'm like, oh, oh did this you? A good <laughs> story. <laughs> to yeah. Tell. So, yeah. No, it's always, you know, it's always, we're always about a good story too, right? Because stories yeah. are just, yeah. And I, and I think we, we always say, we learn best through story, and stories stick. And so it's like, I remember a life lesson better when framed in a story. So, you just kind of taught me a life lesson on a different, a few things. It's like sometimes you just have to laugh it off and make the best of it. Cause you said you, you know, cause my question is then, well, then what did you guys eat for Thanksgiving?
1: you, You did, you did say that. And it's funny because you always go into when you have so much family thinking, oh, we don't have enough food. And we always have way too much food. And then you realize when, four entire dishes get ruined and you still have an overabundance of food that you definitely have way too much
2: food <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the awful days exactly but well I, we're gonna we're gonna pause right here for a moment and we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna continue our conversation about when you know life interrupts and then we have a really special guest coming up um coming up soon um just talking about when life kind of got interrupted and how she Turned that and flipped into an amazing opportunity that just created joy and was, you know, a really inspiration to other people. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio.
4: For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's never heard.
5: Well, for the 19th consecutive year, the Labrador Retriever is the most popular dog in America. We used to own a yellow lab, and she was constantly jumping up and knocking things off the coffee table. I guess labs can be a bit clumsy at times. What are other words for clumsy? Humulty, jumulty, and humperty, clumperty. Rounding out the 10 most popular breeds in America are German Shepherds, Yorkshire Terriers, Golden Retrievers, Beagles, Boxers, Dash Hounds, Poodles, and Shih Tzus. Dash Hounds actually make a good pull toy for little kids because they've already been stretched. Apparently, Beagles can be difficult to train as they can be haber-blabber or strong-willed. Why is it dogs get annoyed when you blow in their face, but take them for a ride in the car and they'll stick their head out the window? Marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Welcome back. We are talking about when life interrupts and obviously life is filled with interruptions, inconveniences, frustrations, just unexpected events. Things break like Pyrex dishes, right? Right Mm -hmm. minutes before you're about ready to sit down on Thanksgiving and you can have appliances break, just unexpected illnesses, so many things that in your plans, what you're trying to control, all of a sudden things go wrong. And the problem is how how we look at those interruptions and are we truly relying on God in those unexpected events when they take place? Uh, Cause believe it or not, they do not catch God off guard. They're only catching us off guard. So what do we do with that? and, during break, I was telling Lisa what's funny about my, my big glass explosion that took place on Thanksgiving Day was that I was picking the glass out of the food thinking, you know, this part of the dish doesn't look like there's any glass. <laughs> we can go ahead and eat it. And uh, it just shows you, you know, at, at that point, I only had two people that agreed with me. The rest of the group was like, absolutely not. We're throwing it away. Um, so sometimes when you look at life a little too lackadaisical, you do need those people in your life to balance that. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that wouldn't have been smart to go to the emergency room because you had a sliced esophagus, for sure.
2: <laughs> yes, Yeah, that would would not be good. Well, you know, even just hearing that story and talking about this, it's like we're coming into that time of year, um, you know, the the Christmas season and and just – and there's always seasons that are like even coming into summertime. And there's just these different times of the year that we come into, and I think we come in with these expectations of – this is how I'm going to spend, whether it's spring break or it's fall break or it's summertime or it's the Christmas season. It's like, okay, I, I want this to be magical. I want to create memories. And we have this, you know, like we've said before, Pinterest, perfect, you know, kind of expectations. And, and we want every, you know, we want this one to be better than the last. And instead of just, and then, and then to me, that sets us up for, for disappointment,
6: Mm-hmm. Because
2: it never is like what we thought or what we hoped, or this this turned this way. But sometimes it turns out if you if you look at it, going well, maybe that was better than I could have ever hoped. You know, and it created a different memory. Um, I know for us, even you know this year, um, you know our son and daughter and five grandkids moved away, um, and so this was our first holiday without them, and it was. I must say, because five kids under the ages of eight were gone, it was much quieter, um, but, it was, but it was just so different. It was sad at the same time. And so um, my daughter and, and son-in-law and our little two-year-old grandson and my husband, we just um, were like, okay, let's just create a different memory then. Um, let's do something different. And it's an opportunity, I think, when you have those to go, okay, let's create something new and different that can be memorable in a different way. Um, and you still miss what was, but okay, let's create something new. And so, you know, we decided to celebrate Thanksgiving on Friday since they do, you know, my, my daughter and them do what their with his family. So a lot of times, you know, I, and I remember the days of eating two Thanksgiving meals in one day yeah. with two different sides of the family. So this way we're like, okay, you eat with that family on that day. And then you eat, then we eat with our family on this day. And it was really kind of cool. I've ne- I've never done that on a Friday, um, and it's so out of tradition and a change. But we were sitting around the table and going, "This is really kind of cool in its own way. It's it's different and it's new, and we like it because it's not. You can't compare it to what was, you know." So I think sometimes there's opportunities to mix things up, and doesn't make it worse or better. It's just different, and I think we have yeah. to be okay with different and embrace different and, um, a new norm, you know, and sometimes those new norms are not what we wish and they're really hard. Um, and sometimes there's not, you know, I mean, those, that's on a whole nother category, but just in the day life of just mixing things up and different. And I know for you two weeks ago, you just had a wedding, you know, sweet Kaylee got married. And so, that's a different norm for you at holidays now because now you have an extra son in the family and a daughter that's married starting her own that has now in-laws. So you're not the only one in your utopia now. So I know that's going to wreck you. But, you know, just how how do we handle um, when things change? Well, exactly. And I I think, too, like these interruptions
1: and, you know, just with a wedding and having a new son-in-law, it reminds us that we don't have life figured out and that we, we can't do it on our own. We really do need God to sustain us. We really do need to be reminded that uh, we have to depend on Him because we can get set in our ways, and we realize, at least I do, that I'm trying to control those things. And some of that, you know, this morning I told you I had an issue with a tradition that we have every year, and when when people come along and mess it up, it messes with me and it puts me in a foul mood and you have to go, no, you, sometimes you just have to change the way that you you think and you have to be creative. Like you said, you do it on Fridays. We've done that on my husband's side the whole time we've been married. We would have Thanksgiving with my family on Thursday and then with his family on Friday. And I love that, that, that way you're not running around Trying to, like you said, eat all this food in one day and, and you kind of get everybody a little irritated at you because you're having to leave one household early and then you're coming late to the other household. So you're not perhaps bringing a dish that you should be, that they need at the beginning when everybody gets there. You know, there's just all kinds of, so start thinking creatively in what you're, you're doing and you might have to change some of your traditions.
2: Mhm.
1: And exactly. not just holidays, just in in life in general, uh take those blinders off and and look at what you need to to do differently to make sure what's in it for them. What's in it for other people
2: as well. Mhm. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's in from um like interruptions uh in people's lives, you've seen so many amazing things emerge that benefited people. And like I'm excited to talk to our next guest because she had a life interruption and it transformed into something really beautiful that gave back and that met needs. And I think that's how you know if we can look for kind of the silver lining is is like, is God getting my attention for a reason here and calling me into something different and to do something to respond in a different way. Um, And I think those are opportunities to to really look at it differently if we choose to. And it goes back to us. It's like, we can sit in that place or we can go, I know, I want to see this differently and I want to see what it, what am I to learn from this and to see and to respond. And I think, you know, you hear the most inspiring stories from people that kind of take something that's been really hard or difficult, but transform in something really beautiful, you know, like transform messiness into something beautiful. And, um, and those are the stories that we need to continually hear to inspire us and you know challenge us and how we see life interruptions. Mm-hmm. There's a
1: quote just now when you said that, it's by Bruce Barton. Nothing splendid has ever been achieved except by those who dared believe that something inside of them was superior to circumstance. And I I love that quote because we, we do have a tendency to look at these circumstances and especially the ones that really mess with us instead of realizing, okay, this, this circumstance I can grow from, I can become better. I can look at it from a different perspective. And I, I, I hope that daily that I can do that, that I can go, okay, God, this day is yours. And no matter what interrupts this day, that I can truly put you, you know, in the front of it and realize I need
2: to rely on you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always amazed because I love reading biographies um, and autobiographies um, because it's like, oh, because it's only because somebody's done something that's been remarkable or that's been significant or impactful. And you, and, and so you, you're reading it because they accomplished something. But then when you start reading it, I, they're there their stories are filled with a lot of pain and setbacks and disappointments um, and failures, but we don't, you know, we don't focus on that. We focus on the achievements and we want the achievements and we want all the benefits, but sometimes in our own stories, we're not willing to go through the pain and the discouragement and the unmet expectations to really, and to persevere and to lean in and to, to hang in there. And so I'm always encouraged when you read of what other people have done and what it's, what their road to to that has looked like and how it's been riddled with potholes of different things. And, um, and it's, it's, it's encouraging to keep going. I think we, sometimes we quit too soon in our journeys. Um, and it's just like, keep going and don't look at this, um, this interruption and setback. I mean, and, and I just want to qualify because there's degrees of this, you know, we're not minimizing certain things that happen. Um, but some of the things like, you know, an exploding Pyrex dish, you know, it's like, okay, I can, I can choose how I want to look at this and allow it to affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something we can choose. And we have to choose for the discipline of that. Like you said, we read these
1: stories and we go, well, I don't have a good story or God hasn't put that on on my path and God's not tapping my shoulder And you and I have learned that the hard way in we would look at each other at some of our frustrations in ministry and go, okay, we have to be faithful in the little things. Just keep moving forward, like you said. Keep showing up. Keep having that discipline because it is easy just to give up. It's easy to go, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to take complaints. I don't want to be in the arena where people can mock you or challenge you or ask you questions rather than realizing, no, I want to be in the arena. I want to get these challenges. I want to become better. And having that discipline to go, what's it going to take to move forward?
2: Hmm. Well, and I think that's where it's good to have like conversations with people like that to kind of process out loud. And finding somebody in your life that you can go, hey, I just want to bounce some things off. I always want to process. And, you know, sometimes when we hear ourselves, it's like, like, like when we process out loud, sometimes when it comes out and we get to hear it, you're like, okay, now I understand. And it's not as bad. Or here's maybe some things I can do. Sometimes we just need to even hear ourselves think and be able to process out loud without, you know, we're not necessarily looking for answers. We just we need to process for ourselves to come up with our own solutions or our own source of you know here's what I need to do my action plan so um lots of think about stop
1: whining I need to quit complaining yeah. <laughs> whatever it is when you say it out loud you get a different perspective
2: absolutely well we're going to stop right now and we're going to we're going to go quiet and we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives.
4: Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: Most of the time, exercise rejuvenates you and increases your energy. But every once in a while, you may find that you're feeling tired in your workout and every movement is an effort. My advice is simple. Turn up the music. Listening to fast-paced, uplifting music can really be helpful. According to the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology, Your overall endurance improves by 15% when you exercise to music. So put on your preferred playlist or turn the radio up and treat yourself to a great workout while listening to your favorite music. The pulsating beat and uplifting lyrics can truly spur you on to complete your exercise and also to get an outstanding workout. Turn up the music and turn up the energy and motivation. For the Fitness minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook.
4: It's words you've never heard.
5: Well, for the 19th consecutive year, the Labrador Retriever is the most popular dog in America. We used to own a yellow lab, and she was constantly jumping up and knocking things off the coffee table. I guess labs can be a bit clumsy at times. What are other words for clumsy? Humulty, jumulty, and humperty, clumperty. Rounding out the 10 most popular breeds in America are German Shepherds, Yorkshire Terriers, Golden Retrievers, Beagles, Boxers, Dash Hounds, Poodles, and Shih Tzus. Dash Hounds actually make a good pull toy for little kids because they've already been stretched. Apparently, Beagles can be difficult to train as they can be haber or strong-willed. Why is it dogs get annoyed when you blow in their face, but take them for a ride in the car and they'll stick their head out the window? It's Marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Word.
3: My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio, that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia.
4: Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond.
3: Most of the time, exercise rejuvenates you and increases your energy. But every once in a while, you may find that you're feeling tired in your workout, and every movement is an effort. My advice is simple turn up the music. Listening to fast-paced, uplifting music can really be helpful. According to the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology, your overall endurance improves by 15% when you exercise to music. So put on your preferred playlist or turn the radio up and treat yourself to a great workout while listening to your favorite music. The pulsating beat and uplifting lyrics can truly spur you on to complete your exercise and also to get an outstanding workout. Turn up the music and turn up the energy and motivation. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio.
1: who has stepped up in the middle of life interruptions we have an amazing guest that um, is going to interrupt our show because we invited her in to interrupt and her name is Linda Zanaco, and she is the founder of He Knows Your Name and this is a ministry that gives children a name in life and dignity and honor in death and Linda has partnered with mothers all across the US who do not want their children's legacy to be the circumvent circumstances of their death, but her aim is to assist the grieving, to find healing and purpose in knowing that every life is sacred to God. So welcome, Linda, to the show. How are you today? Thank
6: you. I'm doing great.
1: Awesome. Uh, Linda, we have had you on on the show before, and your story, it's just, first of all, it's a crazy story. Um, <laughs> You get that tap on the shoulder that God is basically saying, you know, hey, girl, <laughs> now's yes. the time. I want to interrupt your life because I have an mm-hmm. amazing opportunity for you. Uh, sometimes when you get that, you're going, I, I don't see the amazingness in it, and I don't see the opportunity. And yet on this side of that calling, I'm sure you really have seen the amazingness. I mean, just it's crazy what you have done and what you've been called to do. So tell us a little bit about your story and when you first got that, that nudge and that tap on the
6: shoulder. Well, it was eight years ago, which I can't believe, but to your point, I mean, we don't see what God's doing in the big picture because we're so down in the micro of it, circumstantially generally, and I didn't even realize at first it was a calling, Um, but it's just one of those things where I was watching the news, and I saw a story, and I was just compelled to get answers to what I was seeing because I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and that was that a baby was being pulled out of a dumpster, and I just couldn't imagine that that life wouldn't be valued. And then when they said baby Doe found in a dumpster wearing only a diaper. The only thing I could think of was Doe is not a name and a dumpster is not a grave. And a diaper is not burial clothing. And I wanted to do something about that. So I called the coroner's office and I asked and I didn't like the answers I was getting. And I felt compelled just to say to them, could you please put my name on this case? Because I want to make sure this baby is named and given an honorable dig- and dignified burial when this case and criminal investigation is completed. And they told me then it would take a long time, maybe a year, and I said, you know, I've got nothing but time to wait, and I'm going to wait because I know I'm supposed to do this. And mm-hmm. that, you know, it was kind of like in that, say- hearing myself say that, I realized how passionate I was about it. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you, you literally, you became an advocate for these these precious babies that... Um, you know, most people see as, oh, whatever, you know, we have a tendency to, to hear those stories and, and it makes us sick and we're sad, but you decided to, to do something about it. And that, that's always, what's amazing to me is how some people are so in sync and listening to what God wants them to do that as soon as they see this void or they sense this need that they're just, their hands are raised and you yeah. know, Okay, God, here, here I am.
6: And I think we all do feel injustice hit us in our gut. I mean, as believers, we know that we are supposed to bring light to darkness, and we know that we're supposed to right the wrongs that we see, that are, the social injustices going on around us. Um, and, and I'm bothered by a lot of things I see, but this was like a, I mean, it pu- I was pushed into action on this, even when I didn't understand it. And it was more like I kept finding God through the steps I was taking in action, and it, I didn't understand it at all. At all, I mean, I didn't know I would be doing all that I've done in the last couple of years, and what the, you know what it would look like down the road. Thankfully, the Lord didn't show me too much, but you know, I think when we are moved to action and we have questions, instead of getting ahead of ourselves, just get answer to the next question and walk through the the door in front of you and just kind of keep taking those steps until you feel like you've kind of answered everything you're supposed to answer. But I do think we need to have understanding um, to the things that we're seeing around us socially.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that. Just just take that next step. Sometimes I hear people talking about, like, I'm just going out on faith. But when they're going out on faith, they're also saying, Okay, and now you need to give me a million dollars type fee. Mm. <laughs> Whereas, you know, you you want to go? No, you you can go out. Like this, you know, holistically, organically, and sometimes we overuse that word. Even mm, where mm-hmm. still, I like how you said you still have to put a plan in place. And yeah, as you move forward, and you obviously are having to raise money and ask for donations because funerals aren't cheap. And as you're moving forward, you're just seeing, okay, this is God's next step. This is God's God's
6: plan. But well, also- I, honestly, though, I I don't fundraise. I mean, you know, when, when, I was at, when God brought these things in front of me to do, I really felt like the calling was mine. I, wasn't, I said yes, and I knew it was my yes.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And I, did, I didn't say, well, yes, I'll do this if other people give to me or if I end up raising the money for it. I had no idea how I was going to do it. And I just mm-hmm. said yes, and then I went and found resources, and I just started talking to people. And um, I just got it done. And so what's interesting is how I said yes first and I've said yes for years before anyone was inclined to say, let me say yes with you financially or I mean like, and then as the years have passed. Um, it's been interesting how many of the resources and even secular lo- local businesses I do ministry with now, they know my heart for faith. They have come along my journey with me. They are donating goods and services now. Um, but it was not that way at first. And I think that, you know, that's God's economy. It's really upside down. We can't make sense of everything he's asking us to do, whether it's spiritually or um, emotionally or financially, I mean, I I just was like, he's asking me to do this. And it was really, I thought it was a once and done thing at first with this one baby. I had no idea. You know, so it, it wasn't overwhelming. I'm like, well, I can do this one baby. And then another baby came and then another situation came. And then it was like, everything just kept coming. And I was like, Okay, I'm just going to keep saying yes, and I'm going to keep. I'm going to invite other people to say yes with me, and then collaboration got on my heart, and understanding for what the collaborative spirit of community looks like. And when I started saying yes and inviting other people to say yes, I realized, my goodness, there's a community raising up. To this is an all movement, and that was really exciting to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that exciting how God does provide, and he He is in the steps. I, I love that. In each step, you just see God. And we don't have to figure it out. I think so many times we're hesitant to even begin because we feel like we have to figure it all, yet, all out. And I like when you said, I knew it was my yes.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because so many times it's like, okay, full God calling me, but you need to do this. You know, mm-hmm. instead of going, no, this is my yes. And mm-hmm. I need to step in and be willing to make the sacrifices because God put it on my heart, and then you know God provides around us. But that is a significant distinction about knowing that, realizing that, and then and seeing and how God always multiplies and takes it places we never dreamed. Because if we and I think a lot of times we're hesitant to even start something because we feel like we have to know where it's the end result before we even start. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I just thought it was one baby. You know, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't go, okay, watch the newscast and go, I'm starting a movement. Yeah. I need yeah. right now. This mm-hmm. one baby is so precious, and, you know, God loves this baby. I'm going to do what I can to reveal this baby's dignity. Um, and then God just multiplies that.
6: And you start seeing other yeah. needs. And I think
2: that's what he does. He says, okay, let me show you some more for those who want to see and are willing
6: mm-hmm. to see, you know? Yeah, and it's such utter dependence on Him. And it's it's kind of back to the original question you asked about. I mean, am I really going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going ahead of me, preparing the way, and making sure that, you know, I'm right where I'm supposed to be? And as I listen to Him and He guides me, uh, I find that He's right there with me. And, you know, it's a, it's a real partnership. The collaboration has to start with the Trinity. And that's where God showed me, I and mean, it's really where He taught me, what the collaborative spirit is you know the different roles are also necessary in order to make the movement happen
2: and, and then we gonna have to stop right there take a quick break and come back and, and continue this conversation we'll be right back with girlfriend at radio okay.
1: That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia.
4: Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: One notable arch enemy is belly fat. There are two types of fat found around your midsection, subcutaneous fat and visceral fat. Subcutaneous fat appears underneath the layers of your skin. Visceral fat is a dangerous fat that's around your organs. According to the Mayo Clinic, visceral fat settles around the vital organs in the abdomen and increases the risk for heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, breast cancer, colorectal cancer, and premature death. While a small amount of belly fat is not unhealthy, an excessive amount can increase your risk for health problems. Adding extra cardio to your exercise routine and cleaning up your diet can help you diminish belly fat. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit at annettehammond.com.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we have been talking with founder of He Knows Your Name, Linda Zanako. and Linda is a sought-after speaker in churches, conferences, and retreats. She has been involved with discipling women for more than 25 years and regularly involved with local and regional media but linda you work to bring attention to a problem of unbanded um abandoned unwanted and marginalized children and your story is just crazy amazing and we we spent the last segment talking about your story and how god tapped you on the shoulder but tell us a little bit about this what what seems to be a, a new part of your story uh, with the cuddle cots, what is taking place where you are having cuddle cots donated to the hospital in memory of these of the babies?
6: Mm-hmm. Well, a cuddle cot is an incredible device that's used bedside at a hospital and it's a cooling system and it comes out of the UK um, but they are just starting to break into America and. I found um, um, the bereavement director at Riverview Hospital, Dee Flaherty, had told me about them a couple of years ago. And as I was working with hospitals because of abandoned babies left at hospitals, um, I heard about a cuddle cot and I thought, gosh, maybe this would be a great solution if more hospitals had a cuddle cut, then maybe moms would bond, inner-city moms who are under-resourced and have a loss in the hospital. If they bonded with their baby in the hospital by keeping the baby with them longer, then maybe they would be less likely to abandon. And what I mean by that is that moms deliver babies in the hospital either you know, prematurely or they have a stillbirth, and then they leave the hospital because, of course, no mom goes to the hospital with a funeral director's name in her pocket, and they counsel her and give her resources and tell her what her options are, and they she goes home, and then they say, Come back, and then we'll take care of the arrangements for your baby. Well, there are times where moms don't come back, and then no family member comes back and these babies are left at the hospital. And so I've been working with hospitals here in central Indiana to make sure that there are no babies left without a dignified burial. And it's my goal in 2018 to make sure that every single hospital network in Indiana has a procedure in place for taking care of babies that have passed in hospitals that need to be buried. And I'm working, I'm actually, He Knows Your Name is now affiliated with two hospital networks, Eskenazi and Community Hospital here, where every abandoned baby, if not um, taken care of in death through something through the hospital, then He Knows Your Name will take care of that baby. And I'm hoping that having cuddle cots in the hospital, bedside with a mom, that when she's been so traumatized by loss, if the baby could stay with her and she could bond, that maybe she would have... Just more healing and more connection um, with her baby and she would be less likely to leave the baby and not ever come back. So that's really what drove me towards this cot campaign. And as I learned more about them, I realized the importance of them. And so two years ago at Christmas time, I donated one to each of our five area network hospitals here in Marion County because they are a wonderful device that's portable. So if Community East needs it, they can get it from North and, you know, on and on. Well. Recently, we just donated two more to the Community Health Network, so there's now three there. St. Francis has, I think, two or three now. So the state of Indiana has more than any other state in the country now in two years of our having the cot campaign here, and I'm really excited about that. Um, but to, to your question, the, just the interesting point is that when moms use the Cuddle cot and they're so blessed by them, one of the first things they want to do when they leave the hospital is purchase one, or, you know, raise money to purchase one, and then have it donated to another hospital in their baby's name. And it's been such a blessing and such a redemptive tool for them to know that their baby is changing the life of another family of loss and giving them just the love and the gift of time with their baby before they leave the hospital.
1: That is just so amazing that God even, you know, brought that <laughs> into your... Uh, like I said, I've never even heard of a cuddle cuddle. I know. And- for those listeners out there, it's like a piece of a medical equipment, and it's mm-hmm. a refrigerated bassinet. And uh, the stories that, that come in about these cuddle cots is that even families, like little children, that you're grieving. So you go home, and even the, the baby brothers and sisters aren't able to right. have that thing as well. So you can keep them in this cuddle cot, and people, family members can come back. Days later, right?
6: Yes, like up to three days. And what I'm hearing even is that, you know, as a mom, when a premature baby comes, it's a crisis delivery. And sometimes dad's out of town on a business trip or the grandparents, you know, can't get there in time. And there, if a mom is able to keep her baby with her bedside for three days after birth, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone can come and meet that baby and see that baby dressed you know, say goodbye and have the family intimate time they need for grieving bedside with that mom. And it's just the stories are remarkable and so beautiful.
1: Mm. That's, that's really neat. Yeah, I said babies, brothers and sisters, but I meant older older brothers and sisters. Siblings, yes,
6: to the baby, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's just really neat. So tell us a little bit more then. Um, you just recently had another baby. Right, I know you were on um, Fox as Mm -hmm. you were recording the story. Tell us a little bit about what what took place there.
6: Well, there was was a baby, Emmanuel, um, and he was left at a hospital. And after about two months of waiting for the family to come forward, they they just didn't. And um, I claimed the baby in death and um, had his funeral Oh, it's been two weeks now, two weeks ago, at, at um, Washington Park East Cemetery. So uh, that is that is about the eighth baby I have claimed in death from a hospital abandonment.
2: And what does that mean when you say you claim?
6: What's the well, difference? yeah, I mean, babies at a hospital, it's like a hospital abandonment, they have... If they are 20 weeks or older, they have medical records and a birth certificate. And, um, sometimes they're named and sometimes they're not. Um, and I make sure that every baby is named. Um, and legally, that, that baby, I claim that baby legally. It's a, it's an, it's an adoption, um, in death because that baby, I claim that baby. I make sure that all of the funeral paperwork is done, funeral home, you know, paperwork, which is all legal paperwork, all transport of the baby is legal transportation, all those documents are legal. And so, you know, sometimes people are like, well, what do we need you mean you drop them? You know, well, no, it's not the standard form. I don't sign the forms that a, a mom of a live child would, would sign, but I'm signing very different paperwork, but it legally binds me to this baby. And when I then go to the cemetery and choose a plot of land, and I'm the only one that signs that paperwork. And I'm the one who puts that baby in that grave, which you could see on the, that last Fox story that was done. I literally had to get in the grave and put that baby in because the grave diggers weren't there. And I placed my baby in the dirt, you know, and it's like I'm the last one standing there before they close that grave. And no one legally can have access to that grave because my name is on it. So even if a bio mom came back, she would not have access to any rights to that child. So that's what I mean. Um, And differently, if it's a baby like Amelia or baby Moses that was found out in the woods, um, I claim that baby through the coroner's office rather than the hospital, but it's still legal paperwork that I sign, and um, I name those babies and then do the same procedure with them.
2: So do you, um, like you said, baby Moses in the woods, do they contact you? Do you hear about it on the news and then you contact them? Um, how, how does that work? I mean, are you known as the person who will
6: step yeah. in? Mm-hmm. I am, and it's, um, I mean, the coroner's office has so many relationships there now that um, generally I see something on the news, um, and I call, and they, um, they you know, know that I'm gonna call. And so, um, you know, and honestly, every single time I've called or done anything, I they're always like, you're the only ones to call. I and mean, it's not, you know, so I would say now, yes, eight years later, from first baby, um, everyone in the hospital or any, or the coroner's office here, or in, you know, in Central Indiana would totally expect me to call. Um, and they w- I know that if there were other kinds of needs, um, like if a baby dies at home from crib death, um, you know, that child goes to the coroner's office. Um, and they make sure that there's no criminal investigation that needs to be done. So mm-hmm. there's uh, I mean, lots of people involved. Um, and I have I've claimed a baby that died actually at a grandma's house, went to the coroner's office and the entire family denied taking care of that baby in death. And so after a long waiting period, I claimed that child and gave him a dignified burial. Um, And so, I mean, the circumstances just, you could never imagine, I couldn't make this stuff up on my best day. Every story is so unique and has its own set of complicated facts and twists and turns to the story. Uh, But the, the gamut just doesn't seem to, you know, ever settle in one little clean formula, you know, of how this is going to look because it's just incredible to me how the vast stories of them.
2: Well, I, I, we have less than two minutes and I, first of all, we just want to say thank you um, for sharing your story and thank you for stepping in on behalf of these children and truly um, giving, you know, revealing their their identity and their, digni- and their dignity, and and just honoring God with that and these precious
6: children. Um, Thank you, I appreciate that. I your support means a lot to me, and it blesses my heart. Thank you. Um, you bless us
2: and ugh. inspire us. And um, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's truly amazing what you do. And so, um, in just like a minute's time, mm-hmm. how can people? It, it, you know, find out more information about you, reach you and learn about this. And then I, this is a, kind of an unfair question, but what is one thing that really has stuck with you that you've learned through this, that an mm-hmm. unexpected, I mean, there's so many, but one unexpected, like, you're like, I didn't mm-hmm. know this going mm-hmm. into, and yeah. you and I, I'm sorry, but there's only one minute
6: <laughs> <laughs> um, he knows your dot org is my website, and I'd love for people to connect with me there. I'd love for people to understand what a cuddle cut is and also the safe haven baby box. my baby Amelia, that was found in the woods, her logo is on that box. Her legacy is living on she will her anniversary is coming up. I can't believe it will be three years, and the baby box is her legacy, and I just I can't believe how. Um, her life is changing the world. I did a documentary about the safe haven law in Russia and her story was told in Russia. And I, I just, I'm being, I'm just blown away by what God is doing. And my encouragement to people is ask God. He speaks still and he wants to engage with us and invite us into our next yes. And so ask God, what is my name on it? What is it I can do? Because for me, I think I would, I don't want to miss what I'm called to do in this generation. I feel like I've had the passion of esther rise in me for babies but i think everyone has a passion on their life
2: absolutely linda thank you so much again thank you for it girlfriend It radio talk next time
0: thank you thank you for being a part of this special program girlfriend it the show dedicated to the most important woman you know yourself it's the